0: While many say the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade is the answer to decades of prayer, some faith leaders fear their religious rights will be infringed amid new abortion restrictions. Amna Nawaz has that conversation.
1: Tonight we explore how some of the major faiths view the question of when life begins and how those beliefs should or shouldn't shape the law of the land. Joining me now are Rabbi Jen Later of Temple Israel of West Bloomfield, Michigan. Dr. Asifa qureshi Londez, a constitutional law and Islamic law professor at the University of Wisconsin, as well as the interim co-director of Muslim Advocates, and Chelsea Patterson Sobolik, former policy director of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission within the Southern Baptist Convention, currently working in government affairs for lifeline child. Welcome to you all and thank you for being here. Rabbi Later, I read something that surprised me. There's a synagogue suing the state of Florida and the governor there, among others, saying that the state's 15-week abortion ban infringes on the religious freedom of Jews. And you have said that lawsuit excites you,
2: that you support it. Tell us why. There is this sense that anyone who is a traditionally observant religious person would align with the pro-life movement. But many religious people are fighting against the the dissolution of Roe v. Wade because of our religion, not in spite of it. It is a Jewish value to support uh, women and pregnant people's ability to uh, get the medical care they need, and that includes uh, the right to abortion. In fact, our tradition mandates abortion in many instances. And Dr. Karish Landis, you actually wrote an op-ed on this issue. You said that the overturning
1: of Roe v. Wade would also be an infringement on the religious freedom of
0: Muslims. How so? Islam actually has quite a range of beliefs on the permissibility, discouragement, or allowance of abortion based on different interpretations of scripture, of Islamic scripture, of when life begins. So there's a range within all the different schools of thought, starting at the majority opinion, which says life begins somewhere around 120 days into the pregnancy, all the way down to minority opinion that says zero. So Muslims would choose which school of thought to follow. We don't have the same sort of black and white way of thinking about this as it's either a life or it's not a life, there's a range of choices. So when you have an abortion ban that reduces those choices that Muslims have to zero.
1: So Chelsea, let me get you to respond to what you've just heard there. Um, For those who don't believe that life begins at conception, does an abortion ban of any kind, doesn't it infringe on their religious freedom? What's your view?
3: We do believe that we're, we're talking about two people, and we believe that both both people have a right to live. Our perspective is that, that religious liberty is not ultimate, um, and that governments are creating these laws, protecting the most vulnerable among us. Again, we believe that that life begins at conception, so we do believe that this is the proper role of government.
0: Can I, can Dr. I, would yeah. you like to respond? The first question is, what does Islam say Muslims should do in a situation of pregnancy, in a difficult situation? But that doesn't actually answer the question of what the state should do with regard to everybody who may or may not be Muslim in, in a Muslim-ruled place. Muslim governments very clearly distinguish between the laws of living life as a Muslim, which are scriptural interpretation-based, and then a different type of law, which is the laws of the state. The state should be making laws to serve the general good of all. But, Doctor, to this point about where
1: we are now, the point that Chelsea just made, that there is a time that the government should be stepping in
0: because religious liberty isn't absolute. What would you say to that? For those of us who don't believe that the choice between a life and a life, then that calculation is very different than those who believe the is between a life and a life. In India, the right-wing Hindu party has tried to ban all cattle slaughter because they believe that that's a sacred life. And in a pluralistic society, we have to figure out okay, how do we make a law that's going to protect all of us and all of our choices and not impose one view on all others? I think this is a question of where is there harm? Are there going to be more maternal and fetal deaths? Are there going to be more overburdening the foster care system? Is it going to disproportionately affect the marginalized and the poor? Those are serious harms that I think we have to wrestle with. As a minority religious American, I'm extremely concerned about that.
1: Chelsea, what about some of those points there? We know that there are many bans that make no exception for the mother's health, or bans that would force a child to carry in to deliver a baby, which could be very harmful and physically torturous, many argue. How do those kinds of outcomes square with Christian beliefs?
3: I, I don't know a law on the books um, that doesn't uh, prevent um, a woman from getting life-saving care. Um, but we we view that as saving the life of a mother. Um, I think intent here is is important. Um, the intent of an abortion is to end the life of um, a preborn child, and the intent of you know miscarriage care or uh, treating an ectopic pregnancy is is the, that life of the mother. And when able, a doctor uh, can and should attempt to save save both lives. Our position on abortion is that life is inherently sacred
1: and valuable. I think it's important to point out too, there are differing views even within the Christian faith, right? I mean, when you look at poll numbers, it's really white evangelicals who overwhelmingly believe abortion is morally wrong and should not be allowed in the United States. So when you look at that, does this mean that states are now pushing bans that really represent even a minority Christian view?
3: It's a great question. So I can speak on behalf of Southern Baptists, uh, which is the nation's largest Protestant um, denomination. So I would say people advocating for the pre-born, it's not just Christians. There are Democrats for life. There are atheists for life. My advocacy on this issue is rooted in my faith, but again,
2: there are people of of different faiths or of no faith who are advocating for the pre-born. It, it really fascinates me um, to hear, Chelsea, when you when you reference scripture, because my interpretation of our sacred text, which shares this foundation with yours, I know in our interpretation, it is extremely clear uh, that, um, that a, a fetus is not considered a life. For the first 40 days Uh, of its, uh, of a fetus being inside of a person's body. It's considered uh, mere water and then afterwards considered, and I quote, like as if it were a woman's thigh. So this idea that, um, that scripture teaches us that, um, that, that the lives of a person who is carrying a fetus and the fetus are equal is certainly not rooted in my faith tradition. Interpretations lead to consequences in the real world. I'm just so interested in how that Difference in 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 interpretation and textual study has led to such varied viewpoints when it comes to this this issue.
3: Personhood begins at conception because anything beyond that is arbitrary. You know, thirty nine days is is that a person with with rights or not? We see in Psalm one thirty nine that God knits us together in our our mother's womb, and then in the New Testament we see we see Jesus caring for the
2: most vulnerable um, and, and proclaiming that. And for us, the most vulnerable in this moment are these people who now are losing access to health care and not able to care for themselves. And can I jump in? Please do. I
0: would love I would love to have a theological conversation with my Abrahamic cousins about this, but I don't think it's an appropriate conversation when we're trying to decide what the state law should be for everybody. That's my main point is that this is fascinating, and we can all share ideas about what we think God said, and, what, and those who don't believe in Jesus at all can chime in on what they think, and we can have great conversations. And I recognize that it's a really existential concern for those who believe it's a life, but if we reduce ourselves to a conversation about what scripture says, that's not the place of the state.
3: The issue of abortion, in, in my opinion, is inherently different. There is a second person involved, and so I think the question we need to have a discussion on. Is is this about one person's religious liberty um, or two people's uh, right to live? I would say that um, just because someone makes a religious argument um, doesn't mean that you have to
1: be Christian to recognize that it's a distinct life in the womb. What about this idea that if this uh, this issue, if abortion is actually handled at the state level, state by state, it would be better for everyone because then it would be more representative of that state's
2: needs and beliefs and values. Even if 75% of the people living in a state are pro-life, the other 25% may need access to abortion or reproductive health care um, that they would not be able to access. If we had a, a Jewish person where the mother's emotional health or physical health were in danger, but her life wasn't in danger yet, she would not be able to access the healthcare she needed at that time. Uh, and for us, that's just uh, not acceptable. People get to,
3: to vote and to, to share um, with their state representatives how they want um, this issue to look in their states. So there's definitely um, a role that
0: people have within their states. We've gone from individuals getting to choose over their own lives to states getting to choose all of our individual lives. That scares me, Rabbi. Later, we're big picture
1: here is we're having a faith conversation in, you um, know, on a legal matter, and, and I'm just curious how you, as a faith leader in your community, view that when it comes to the rights of your your community and every other American.
2: We try really hard to preach to values and to discuss values within our our community okay, and my congregation specifically and keep politics out of it. Congress- it's not a controversial Congress- issue within my congregation and generally within the Jewish community that our religious freedom means having access to health care uh, in a way that makes sense for us and for everybody.
1: Dr. Qureshi, Landis, you hear Chelsea saying, absolutely, her advocacy is rooted in her faith. And millions of Americans do share those values and beliefs. So what do you say to those who defend pushing this as a legislative move? Because, you know, our country's laws have historically been based on Christian morality.
0: A lot of our laws, the abolitionist movement against slavery was very much rooted in, in Christian values, uh, amongst others. I think religion is amazing in motivating human behavior. But it's amazing when it's motivated from the inside when I myself feel some kind of scripturally bound duty, but it's less effective when it comes from the outside. So I can fast in Ramadan, no problem. But when I'm asked to stay on a diet or if somebody were to force me to fast, it would be much, much harder. And It would be even harder if it was somebody else's religious values. So if people really are wanting to limit abortions in this country, I think there's way more effective ways to do that
2: than making bans that are enforced by the state. Rabbi Later, what would you say to that? It's scary being a religious minority in a country that seems to be um, leaning toward making legal and political decisions based on this very vocal, very politically active, uh, uh, you know, Christian nationalism. And if the Supreme Court is able to make decisions that go against the will of the vast majority of American citizens, based on um, the, the value system and beliefs of a, of a, of a religious group, that is that uh, doesn't feel safe and doesn't feel a good place for, for us to be as, as Americans here today.
1: Chelsea, it is very true. We are an increasingly diverse nation on faith, right? When it comes to religious diversity or being unaffiliated or even secular. So what would you say to the tens of millions of people out there who do not share your views on this matter, but now feel as if your views are being imposed on them.
3: Absolutely, you know, we all bring our our values um, to to the public square, and I think that that is part of of living in a pluralistic society where we're able to to have these conversations. I keep going back to to the the little one in the womb, but also also moms who are. Who are scared right now? I, you know, there are women around the country who who are scared. I, I hear that. I understand that. Um, my my very own birth mother was was like a lot of the women who who find themselves in an unplanned pregnancy right now. I, I completely understand that, and we need to respond to that. We need to meet um, moms and dads where they're at with with
1: care, love, and resources. Chelsea Sobelik. Dr. Asifa qureshi Londes and Rabbi Jen later. Thank you to all three of you.